So in the year 1992, I was a student at Haynes Middle School, and they had what's called a spelling bee. So I decided to enter the spelling bee where you go on a stage in front of the entire school, and you duel it out for who will win you know, the prize. And I won! I won the spelling bee! Well, but before I get ahead of myself, if you're a good preacher, you don't use illustrations that make yourself look good. Um, I did win the spelling bee in the school with the word spaghetti. Uh, the silent H could trip you up if you're in eighth grade. And then you go to the county spelling bee, right? And you go on the Winston-Salem Forsyth County Schools television channel. Remember that channel? Maybe they still have it. Channel 2. And I was so nervous. I was beside myself with anxiety. I knew it was on TV. It was a studio. There was people watching. And the first word they gave me was so easy, I couldn't believe it that I actually got it wrong. <laughs> the word was calm, C-A-L-M, right? And I was like, I can't believe it. They gave me calm. I can't, it was, the, the, the irony was rich because I did not feel calm. I was so nervous, I said, C-A-L-O-M, <laughs> ding. And you sit down. Do you ever one of those moments in life where you wish the earth would open and you could just crawl inside of it and cover it with yourself and just get away, you know? And then, you know, we have Facebook uh, memories now that remind you of good things from your past, but they also remind you of things that you wished you kind of want to forget about that daily pop up in your feed, and, and you get these things where I, I posted something 15 years ago, and I'm like, did I really say that? Oh my gosh, you know, you're kind of embarrassed about with your past. And when your past is in the past, and it's said and done, is your past ruined forever? that if only you could work backwards and, and go back, right, and fix that mistake that was your fault or someone else did to you, that you could, you could go back, but it just seems like you can't get another chance. If only you had one more chance to go back to your past and, and fix the thing or the things, the many things we all had. If you only had that second chance, you could have fixed that memory. And much of our past the pain of the past, the harsh, hard memories, you don't have time to do that. Hindsight's twenty twenty, as they say. There was a movie that came out about 15 years ago called The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, and he plays a character named Chris Gardner, who was a single dad, a real person, who would grow up, who would eventually become a very successful stockbroker, but early on as a younger man with a little toddler at, at, in his life, he could not get above the poverty line, and all these things were happening to him that he couldn't get past. And there's a scene in the movie where he goes in to try and get a, a job interview, and he comes, you'll see it, and he comes in just looking like a mess, and they want to hold the issues of his past over him as he tries to move toward to a better future. Let's check out this scene real quick from that movie. sitting out there for the last half hour trying to come up with a story that would explain my being here dressed like this. And, and I wanted to come up with a story 
that would demonstrate qualities that I'm sure you all admire here, like, like earnestness or diligence or team playing to something. And I couldn't think of anything. So the truth is, I was arrested for failure to pay parking tickets. Parking tickets? <laughs> and, and I ran all the way here from the, the Polk station, the police station. What were you doing before you were arrested? I was uh, painting my apartment. Is it dry now? <laughs> I hope so. Jay says you're pretty determined. Oh, he's been waiting outside the front of the building with some 40-pound gizmo for over a month. He said you're smart. I like to think so. And you want to learn this business? Yes, sir, I want to learn this business. Have you already started learning on your own? Absolutely. Jay. Yes, sir. How many times have you seen Chris? You know, I don't know. One too many, apparently. Is he ever dressed like this? No. No. Jacket and tie. First in your class? In school? High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, Twelve. It was a small town. I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in, in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? Um, I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm gonna tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what, I know how to find the answer and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris, what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And I hired him. What would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants. <laughs> Chris. Okay, you can stop there. I don't know how you did it dressed as a garbage man, but you really... So he got the internship. <laughs> Chris Gardner, who's a real person still in San Francisco, would go on to say, we were homeless, but we were never hopeless. You know, sometimes we live in a world of only one chance, a conditions-only, conditions-driven world that gives you that one shot, and then there's no other second chances after that. You only had one chance to make the basketball team. You had one chance to get that promotion. You had one chance at that relationship and it failed. It's over. It's irredeemable. It's behind me. It's in the past. It's done. So we're conditioned to know that world of only one chance. And many people outside of the church especially uh, live like that. Okay, well you blew it. It's over and it's gone. It's in the past. And worse yet, some people like in that clip, they want to hold the issues of your past over you to to hold you down, to make you feel like you're, you, are, you, are, you are what you were, to help preventing you from getting to a better future, of not even looking at what you could become. You know, for those of us with painful issues in our past, the last thing you want is to think about it, or even to have someone then holding it over your head as a judgment. You know, like Pastor Jeff said this morning, the past is a nice place to visit, it's a horrible place to live, you know, and not to dwell there. So how do you define the past? Obviously, we think of it in the space of time, 
And how can you have peace with something that's already over, that's already happened, it's done. There's no changing it. Last summer, my family and I went to uh, tube down the New River. And you know, have you ever been a part of this kind of thing where somebody claims that they own the river, I guess, and they make money off a natural resource? Um, and you go and you wait, and it's sweaty, and then you get on a little bus, and they drive you up somewhere, and they drop you off, right? And you rent the tubes, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, we had a good time with it. But I'll, I'll remember that when we were getting in the river, there were some other families, but there was a lot of a party sort of atmosphere, right? There's people with like 12 packs of bush light and things like that floating down the river. And there was one guy who was near me, and he was just smoking weed just out on the river, you know? And my son was like, what's that? And I was like, it's nothing, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And I called him Cheech, you know, because he was like, he's just smoking dope on the river. And at one point, my wife said, here, hold my sunglasses. Well, and I did, I held her sunglasses. We're all tied together, our tubes are tied together. And I'm holding her sunglasses. And then as it is with little kids, you know, other things happen, and I don't, I'm doing things on the river. And then we come up on some rapids, and we, some light rapids, a few minutes later, she says, oh, give me my, back my sunglasses. And I look down. Oh, I don't know where your sunglasses are. And then here comes Cheech floating by. And he said, hey, man, they're gone. <laughs> hey, man. They're gone. And they were gone. Got to get some croquis. You know, time is like this unalterable stream that we're on. We're on the lazy river of life, if you will. And it seems that what has gone on before you is over, and the future is now, and now, and now. And what has happened floats away, and it remains in the cave of our memories. It's gone, but it's not forgotten. Left to our own ability, the past is impossible to redeem. But with God, of course, we know all things are possible. That I believe that Jesus can actually change how we remember. That he can redeem our past. He can't undo what has been done. But he can change how we can remember. I wish I could have thought of this quote, but it's not mine. But Max Lucado has a great statement where he said, God can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your test into a testimony and your scars into a story. That Jesus can help you get past your past and make a future of it. In the book of Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul would write about his past. And this was near the end of his life. Apostle Paul was about to die. He's writing from a Roman prison to the church in Philippi He's exhorting his audience to rejoice in a Roman prison. I think we should listen to someone who is finding joy chained in an open sewer, basically, in a Roman prison. And Paul would go on to write this letter, and, and he's talking about his past and his pedigree and his achievements and how he thought that was just all the best. But then he would see, based on what Christ has done for his life, that it was all rubbish. He said, starting in verse 5, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. Now, remember that he was Saul, 
we actually, is the only writing of a first century Pharisee is here, is the Apostle Paul, or Saul as he was known. That we don't have any other writing of these people. But he was very well educated person. And so we can't discount, I mean, we can't, you can't underestimate the amount of influence that Saul's conversion had on the early Jewish community back then. It was huge. It was like an atom bomb that here's a Pharisee saying, I was everything that you wanted to be, and it was just all for nothing. I was a Pharisee. He demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. He was famously holding the coats of the men while they stoned Stephen. And as for righteousness, I obey the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Remember that because of what Christ has done. Verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I discarded everything else, even the good things of his past. Not just the baggage, but the good things. Counting it all as garbage. The, the Greek word there, garbage, is much more vulgar than garbage. I can't say the word, but we all know the word. Parents, it's kaka, doo-doo. We can't say it, but that's, this is the word Paul is using. Very strong word. I count all of that as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. There we go. That's the gospel. I no longer count on my own ability. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer. Got ahead of me. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Paul, he's saying God is God is something so profound in Paul's life that he looked at everything from his past, even his failures and the good that he's perceived as good, and said it's all garbage compared to what Jesus has done for me. Well, what did Jesus do for him? What did he do for Paul? He changed the trajectory and timeline of Paul's life. Essentially, Christ, he had this vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was blinded for three days. And he was overwhelmed by the grace and the love and the beauty and the glory of who Jesus is and the forgiveness that Jesus extended to Paul. He experienced what we could call a complete regeneration of his soul, a total forgiveness of his sin. This is what God says in the book of Isaiah. Yeah, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and never think of them again. That Paul's life was rocked when he realized that nothing he could do to make, he, he could do nothing to make himself righteous. Only God could forgive his sin and make him a new creation. He was hit right in the face with this realization that everything that he'd worked to achieve that was so important to him was in stark contrast with the holiness of God. And he realized that God's grace for him was bigger than the sin of his past. God's grace for you is bigger than the sin of your past. The only way to get past your past is to allow God to make a future of it and to give it to him. Again, your scars tell a story. Your test can be a testimony. Your mess can be a message. 
So yeah, you didn't sign up for this crash course in single parenting. You didn't. But now you're enrolled. And God could use that example that you have as you walk with Christ through that difficulty. And it is difficult. So that other people could be inspired by your story in time. You could replace that situation with all sorts of other things. You know, I was researching this this week. And the most valuable violin that's ever been made is called the Messiah Stradivarius. It's worth $20 million. $20 million for a violin. It was made in 1716 by Antonio Stradivari, the world-renowned maker of the best violins in the world. He made this in what's called his golden period. Here's one of the reasons why it's so expensive. No one's ever played it. $20 million. Now, Stradivarius famously, when he was making these violins in his golden period, he was a poor man. He could not afford the expensive maple that the other violin makers could purchase. So Stradivarius would go down on the shores of where he lived and find driftwood and gather it up and shape it into a violin. And now we know that he didn't know back then is that that driftwood would resonate like no other wood. The salt water would essentially hollow out the cells of the wood so that it would resonate with this beautiful sound that no one could have imagined. And that God, like Stradivarius, can make beautiful music in a masterpiece out of anything. The open space inside that wood made a great conductor of sound. In the same way, with our past and the pain of what we've experienced or whatever that could be, we have an open space within us that can only be filled by the Holy Spirit by faith. And when that open space is filled with the Spirit of God, your life can resonate with a tone and a beauty that only God could produce through you. Now, you may be hearing that and going, well, that sounds good. That sounds like it's about my future and about trusting God for the, the future. But what about finding peace with my past? What about the circumstances that led me to feel like a discarded piece of driftwood. How can you have peace with something that's already gone? As it's, the stream went by you and you dropped it in the river and it's over. The main way we have peace with God is through forgiveness. That you can't control what the other person did or said. You can't change that. But what you can control is what you will do or say. See, when we forgive a person, the memory of that wound will probably stay with you for the rest of your life for a long, long time. And sometimes we'll carry the memory of that as a visible sign in our bodies. But forgiveness changes the way we remember. Forgiveness converts the curse into a blessing. So when we forgive our parents for their divorce, or you forgive your children for their lack of attention, or your friends for their unfaithfulness to you in crisis, or for doctors for their bad advice. When you choose to do that, you are saying, I will no longer be a victim of the events I had no control over. My grandmother taught me about forgiveness and about finding peace with your past. In 1988, my grandfather was on his deathbed, and he was about to, his, he knew his life was about over. 
Now, they separated many years before that. But one day, well, about 20 years ago, my grandmother and I went out to dinner, and we had a conversation. We talked about all sorts of things. It was a wonderful time to listen to your elders, and, and I'll always cherish that meal we had together. But she opened up to me about when my grandfather called her on his deathbed. And he just said one thing, Virginia, will you forgive me? And she said something I'll never forget, where she said, George, I forgave you years ago. If the past is gone and done, is it ruined forever? The answer to that question is no. Not if Jesus gets a hold of it. That Jesus helped her, led her to forgive. Hear this today, that Jesus is so much more ready to heal than we are ready to ask. Jesus is so much more ready to heal than we are ready to ask. That he can heal our memories. He can work past across the timeline of our lives and replace the lies of our past with the truth of a shared life with him. And it's only by his power that this is possible. Left to ourselves, we cannot. You know, the longer we live and the more past we accumulate, it can take on the forms of baggage and it weighs us down. I don't have a big bag this morning, but I have a small bag. But imagine this is just full of weight, just full of bricks. And, and the weight of this past, the more you hold on to it, it can just become cumbersome and heavy. But when you choose to unpack your past with God and give him the things that you want to let go of, grace will cover everything that you expose to the light. Everything that you give to God and bring it out into the light, God's grace will cover it. But if you don't pull it out and you don't let it go and give it to him, it will continue to be baggage. It will continue to be weight. It will continue to hinder your life and you'll continue to live in that place. Visit that place, yes, but don't live there. Grace will cover everything that is brought into the light. So we're gonna do a little prayer exercise for a few minutes. Well, we're gonna pray and I'm going to lead you through something, and, um, and the Holy Spirit, I pray, will, will bring to your mind whatever, whatever the past has been for you, whatever those memories are that you'd rather not think about. And we're going to ask Jesus to heal those things for us. Let's pray together. Right now, let... With your eyes closed, let God walk you back through the cave of your memories. Maybe go back to that place of desolation that you don't have any peace with. And be reminded that the place for wounds is here. It is in God's church. That is where we should bring our wounds. Go back to that time. Ask the Holy Spirit, lead me to that memory you want me to bring up right now. Ask him.
Ask him to give you something that, a memory that needs healing. Wait for him there. Now that you, you have that in your mind, this idea, this memory, look to Jesus and ask him, Lord, where's the lie I believed about that, about myself? Now ask him to replace that lie with, with his truth, with his forgiveness. Replace it, O oh God. And thank God. Offer it to him. Raise it up into the light. The author Henry Nouwen said, when we are crushed like grapes, we cannot think of the wine we will become. One day we may be able to taste the joy as we have fully already tasted the sorrow. My friends, through the pressing, through the trial, through the difficulty, through our past, God can turn anything into glory for himself in time. It takes time. So Lord, give us new wineskins to receive what you want to pour into us. Make us new through the power of your Holy Spirit by faith. And maybe you don't feel anything right now. It's not about feeling. Just because you don't necessarily see God doing anything, it doesn't mean he's not working. He's always working. Thank you, O oh God, for the way you redeem us and regenerate us and make us new creations. Thank you that you forgive us. We may have to deal with the, with the, with the fallout of our past, but, but God, you, you have forgiven us, God. Give us hope for the future to keep our eyes forward on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.